What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Coach Joe Strong, here to bring you another great episode of the Business of Strength podcast, where you can hear the interviews, tips, and tools to turn your passion for strength into a profession you love. This episode is brought to you by thebusinessofstrength.com, where gym owners and fit pros can get the consulting, on-demand courses, and tools to grow your gym business. Go to businessofstrength.com and download the free Turning Pro course. This free course will help you make more money today. Today's guest is super entrepreneur, Sam Tooley. Sam is a one-man nuclear reactor. He owns an amazing gym called, Hey, what's up, gang? I'm your host, Coach Joe Strong, here to bring you another great episode of the Business of Strength podcast, where you could hear the interviews, tips, and tools to turn your passion for strength into a profession you'll love. This episode is brought to you by businessofstrength.com, where gym owners and fit pros get the consulting, on-demand courses, and tools to grow your gym business. Go to businessofstrength.com, that's businessofstrength.com, and download your free Turning Pro course, the course that will help set you free, make more money, and get you on the path to enlightenment today. I got an awesome guest today. Corey Sterling, founder of Conscious Counsel, an online law firm that works with fitness, yoga and health professionals and studio owners. Corey is a yogi, a lawyer, and an author of the Yoga Law Book. He truly understands the fitness and gym industry and can speak about the law in a language that's easy to understand for fitness and gym professionals. We had an amazing conversation. I've spoken, Corey's helped and his team have helped us out here with some of our legal issues and like documents and things like that in the last few months. And we talked about some really hot topics in the gym industry right now, especially with the changing climate um, with, with virtual training and work from home and working remote and, and COVID, right? You know, we talked about some things like what's wrong with your gym waiver, like how you need to change your gym waiver to include some of the different types of training that you're doing. Trademark issues, always a hot topic in the gym industry. Um, you know, how, and how he created a, a completely online business and lives in Brazil. You know, um, when you, if you follow, start to follow Corey, you know, you'll see he's, he's literally living his best life. He's, he's doing exactly what he wanted to do. He's doing what he loves and really making an impact in the fitness industry from a different perspective, from the legal perspective, a topic that most gym owners don't have a lot of knowledge and education in. And, and this has made it fun, simple. You call Corey and his team, get the advice you need. He has all the documents and done for you systems and processes to make it really simple. Here's what you need. We'll write it up. Boom. It's done. Super simple. And uh, especially, you know, um, protecting yourself from the oh shit moments that go along with not being protected. You really want to get ahead of your legal. So Corey Sterling, conscious counsel, everyone enjoy the episode and make sure you connect with Corey on Instagram. This is the business of strength. Hey, I'm on the call with Corey Sterling today. Corey, Corey runs a company called Conscious Counsel, and I'm really excited to have you on today, Corey. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Joe. I'm feeling strong already. There's a lot of strength. <laughs> like mentally, I'm feeling strong for this. I'm, I'm pumped. I get the, I, you know, the people that come on the cast always make comments about, you know, the Arnold poster. I got the Ali poster up there, right? And uh, yeah. strength was a big part of my life and kind of took me on my journey, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, you, you know, did you go from the regular kind of like law school, corporate lawyer thing? And how do we wind up in Brazil with a digital law firm? How did that happen? 
That was a trip, man. Um, it started the way that most, yeah, that a lot of law careers started at a big law firm wearing a suit and tie every single day. The first, the first client that I ever, the first file I ever received as a lawyer was coming up with a defense for a tobacco company. Okay. Just to shit, to say that cigarettes were not harmful, which is like, I think in looking back, it's perfect, right? That's how you, you, when you're a law student, you're so filled with, you have so much aspirations and so much moral conviction about how you want to do right and how you want to improve the world and how you want to uphold justice. And it was just very clear to me at the start that not only did I not really fit in in a, in a big corporate law firm setting, but that the type of work that was being done didn't really resonate with me. And uh, at, the, at the time, I, I was practicing a lot of yoga and I started a yoga festival and I left big law basically. And one of and my business partner for the yoga festival, she was like, hey, I'm just going to go like surf in Sri Lanka for a couple of months. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. And I've, I've, I've traveled a lot. Traveling is a big part of my, my story and my identity. And I was like, that's super cool. Like, why don't I just take my law firm online and just, you know, start online and learn all the lessons that I have to learn up front. And so I booked a one-way ticket to Copenhagen. I had $3,000 in the bank. And I was like, I'm just going to run this out for as long as it goes. And if, you know, if it happens three weeks, three months down the line that I have zero dollars because none of my clients want to work with me now that I'm online and traveling, <laughs> then I'll just come back and like, I can come back and, and, you know, have a job that I could have anyway. So I might as well just go for it. There's really nothing to lose. And I'm very happy to share that I'm still, I'm still on that same trip. Like I've, yeah. I flew out from Copenhagen in 2017. It was September 19th, 2017. And now today's, um, yeah, we're in, we're in we're in May 2021, and and I'm sort of still still traveling, still going. So awesome, yeah. awesome, and and the company. I mean, it's funny because I got introduced to you a couple months ago. I spoke to you on a call, you know, and I was like, wait a minute, you're in Brazil. I was like, and you're like, yeah, I travel a lot, and so I, I I thought it was interesting, you know, from the legal side you know, it was hard to wrap my head around because most of the time you deal with a lawyer, it's like, you know, you got the, you got the nice law firm, you got the nice, you know, office and things like that. What are some of the, you know, challenges that come from running an online business versus a real brick and mortar business? And, you know, how has that kind of, you know, been a learning curve for you to take, you know, the legal side of, you know, being in a law office and dealing with clients versus being online? The, the answer, the answer significantly changed after COVID, right? I think mm -hmm. pre-COVID, what I would say is people aren't used to having virtual meetings. People don't sure. understand how you don't have an office, that they're not able to see you, that you don't have a phone number. And like straight up, probably the thing that I'm most proud about what I've done is that I, I never liked having a phone when I even like before law school, I was just always the guy who didn't have a phone. And I was like, what if I could be a lawyer and not have a phone number? And, <laughs> and I think, and that's something that I, it doesn't directly answer your question, but that's just something where it's like, if anyone who's listening to this is, is wondering if they're able to do the one thing that they want to do or whatever their wildest fantasy is, you totally can. You can write your own playbook. You can make up the rules as you go. And the thing, one thing that I've learned is, is that people will, people want to be led 
and people will follow you sure. if you're confident in the way that you're showing them. Sure. So when, when I started in, in pre-COVID, people would be a little bit concerned. They're like, oh, like you're traveling? Like I was in Qatar, I was in Oman, I was in South Africa, I was in Australia, I was in Sri Lanka, I was in wherever, Bangladesh, mm -hmm. South America, all over the place. And they'd, I'd be like, yeah, I'm here in Santiago, Chile in a small coffee shop with spotty Wi-Fi, but like, let's get you a shareholders agreement and they, and I think a lot of people actually really, really love it and are yeah, drawn sure. to it. And I think what people are drawn to is that they're working with someone who's living their dream or someone who's doing what they wanted to do. And that's like, and, and I think when there's, firstly, I mean, for me specifically about law, most people aren't that excited to work with a lawyer and most lawyers are not really relatable. Sure. So I think being, you know, being a younger lawyer who's into fitness, who's into yoga, who's into lifting weights and all mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm very similar to a lot of my clients. I'm an entrepreneur as well, but also that like I'm doing something cool and I found a great way to make it work. I think people trust, trust us on that level as well, sure. which I think is, is further credit to us as opposed to someone being like, well, like I'm not going to be able to drive into your office if I want. I'd be like, you don't want to do that anyways. Right, right, exactly. The only time I like going to my lawyers is when I'm, you know, you know, sign, closing a deal on a property or something like that. You have to go sign paperwork. But even now, like I said, with everything gone, you know, gone virtual, I, I think, you know, just being in your spider web a little bit, getting your emails and things like that. Obviously, you know, anytime you take a business online and virtual it becomes more of a, a digital marketing company, right? To some respect, right? You have um, the X's and O's of what you do, the commodity that you sell, which is legal advice and, and, and done for you legal, um, um, you know, programs, documents and things like that. Um, but then the message that you put out, obviously, you know, has to speak to people a certain way. So, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, Conscious Council, its mission, its message, and, and kind of, you know, the, the, the outward message that you're portraying and then who obviously we know that, you know, you're, you're heavily involved in the fitness industry, how that message attracts, you know, your ideal client. The, the name of the firm is conscious council and the idea is that we offer heart leading law. The mission of the law firm is to transform the way legal services are provided to heart leading entrepreneurs. So I don't care how it used Love to be it. like for people to work with a lawyer. We want to create a new and better way for people working with lawyers. Our, a, a big part of our messaging is that law is fun. I try to get people excited about learning about the laws as best as they can. But that comes from a place of like, A, I don't like doing something if it's not fun. So I would think other people want to have fun in doing something. Sure. And B, I understand how significant, the, how significant of a role law actually plays for small business owners. True. And so because I've been, and the craziest thing about my job is like, I've been through so many experiences with so many different clients where like a very, very simple solution could have totally helped them, change them, save them thousands of dollars, help them get the thing that they wanted, whatever it is, avoid an issue. Mm -hmm. And that's their individual experience. But someone who's not aware that they have that particular need doesn't know that that's what they need to do. So I'm, I'm like, a, a big part of my job is, is like actually storytelling of going, observing what's happening with my clients, observing trends in the industry, and then either making videos or going on webinars or going on podcasts and being like, hey guys, this is what's coming up now. And this is why it's a real problem and why you need to be aware of it. Sure. So I think our messaging 
what, what we really want to do, what I always say is someone who comes through and buys one of our packages, without them even knowing, they will resolve 99.9% of the legal issues they would come up against proactively. Sure. And I don't really want them to learn about law. And like, that's the, the, them learning about law is the same thing about me learning about how my muscles work, right? Like, what's it called when you, like, you push and pull? There's two different words for that in the fit. Concentric and eccentric. Yeah. So I have whatever my port, my, my trainer now speaks to me in Portuguese, but even when I had trainers in, in Canada or in the States, like they'd be like, well, the you concentric, I'm like, just tell me what, tell me what exercise right. to do and I'll do it. And my muscles will grow and I'll be healthy. Right. And that's what I need. And, and, like, and more importantly, let's have fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's have fun instead of me thinking about what these Latin terms are that are completely unrelatable. Right. And so that's that's what it's been about that's what it continues to be about and like we're continually refining how to make the processes better and easier for our clients because like come in get what you need leave use it and be awesome grow your community don't run into these issues that's that's the whole idea i mean that's great i mean when you look at like fitness right as a whole and kind of the state of health in the world right now we've kind of learned a big lesson about proactive health, right? And, and, and taking care of your health proactively. And, you know, we've seen with COVID, obviously the people who weren't taking care of their health proactively, obviously there were some serious consequences with that. And, and there's a lot of stats and things coming out now that people that were, you know, obese had, you know, greater risk factors and so forth. And, and I think maybe this is a, a wake up call for a little bit more proactive medicine, a little bit more proactive health and, and for people to take control of their fitness and medicine and, and health a lot sooner. And I look at it the same way because, you know, being in business for 25 years, of course, we've had legal issues, right? And, you know, little things here and there. And, and a little, an ounce of prevention really does go a long way. So having certain things buttoned up from a proactive standpoint really makes a difference. And like, you know, the, the, in, in the legal world, when you're reactive, that usually means you're, you're, you're shit out of luck, right? Like you're screwed. Right. <laughs> and, and it, that means it's too late. You either got sued, somebody got hurt and you didn't have things in place or you had an employee issue and you didn't have your protocols set up. And now you're, oh crap, what do I do? Not only oh crap, what do I do? But it's going to cost you significantly more than it would have if you did things properly from the start. And this, the worst part really is now all of your attention is going to be towards resolving this problem. When, sure. the, when your attention and like, and I know because I've been on the phone with clients who are crying, who can't sleep, who yeah. are going crazy because, oh my God, I'm going to get sued. And how's this going to end? And like, no matter how many times I say it's going to be okay. It's like, that's to me, that's really what the price is. The price is that mm. when you now have all of this negative energy focused on your legal problem that you could have resolved otherwise, you're not focusing on marketing. You're not focusing on revenue. You're not bringing new clients. You're not doing great service for the clients you have. And like that, to me, that's the real consequence other than just money. That's a great point. That's a great point. You know, um, you know, as they say, you know, money follows attention. And so like you, like you just said, if my attention is on something that technically has no revenue generating process within my business, um, you know, customer service and sales and all those types of things, I'm off in the weeds, you know, going to court, and all that stuff, then, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not making money. Right. And, and, and I've lost focus on my culture, my community and so forth. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. What was it? What was it specifically, Corey, that you saw 
within the fitness industry and what kind of drew you to that? What was the need that you saw? Was it, you know, why fitness became like kind of like your stamping point? No. Okay. I'll give you the real answer. The real answer first was how can I make my life a business expense? Sure. How can I go travel around the world and visit different gyms and do different workouts and have this and how can I write that off as a bit? That was the starting point for all of it. Like okay. I love beautiful gyms. I love spas. I love awesome workouts. I love the newest workout class. Like I want to go travel and learn and learn about this industry. And while I'm doing so have that be, be able to write that off as a business expense. So that's like, but I think when you love say, it. when you, when you say have it be as a business expense, what I mean to say is like, it's obviously something that I don't consider work. It's like right, something that fashion. should be work, but because I love it, it's not. And then that's how it started. And then it really started with yoga. I was practicing a lot. I wrote a book called the yoga law book. And like the story that started it all was going to a class where no one signed a waiver outside of a yoga studio where someone got really hurt. And I just remember going up to the teacher afterwards and being like, Hey, like no one signed a waiver. Don't you realize what's going on? Like, and it was like the most glazed over look possible, you know, li what's liability and you know, what do you mean? But they like sure. me, they're not going to sue me. And, and then it was just like, that started it. And then I just kept doing speaking to more and more professionals in the industry and in, in fitness and just seeing like no one had anything. And not only yeah. did like no one have anything is that, appearances can be so deceiving because you can look at a studio or a, a business that like looks, their marketing is super tight and they've got a great Instagram. And then you start looking at the documents. It's like, you don't have anything in order, but right. that's part of marketing goes towards sales. And like, they're obviously sales focused and not legally focused. So yeah. it just, it, it started with that. And then the recognition that no one was really doing this and that, no one in the, there's not a, there's not a, an in industry culture around law for That's fitness true. professionals. It's That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, uh, you know, cause I, I, I see it like, you know, with our consulting group and we always tell everybody like, you know, the first thing I tell everybody to delegate off of their plate is their finances. Right. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. I do the quick books. My, my wife does the, the, is their bookkeeper, blah, blah. I'm like, did your wife go to school for finance? No. Uh, did you? No, uh, I have a master's degree in exercise science or whatever they have. Right. And it's like, well, well, why are you doing your finances? You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you go, when you go get your car fixed, you know, you know, do you fix it yourself or, you know, do you hire a mechanic? You know, when you hire, if you want to, you know, uh, better finances, you got to hire somebody that knows what they're doing. So uh, I, legal should, in my opinion, should be, I mean, I have no idea, you know, about legal, you know, jargon, verbiage, you know, contract law, obviously, we've always had a great, you know, legal team with us, we're lucky that one of my very first clients was a lawyer and, you know, has helped us out tremendously. And that's, I'm one of, I would say, a small handful who had that opportunity right from the beginning of our business. But again, I've seen it many times where it's like, you know, what's your waiver policy? Are you, do you have insurance coverage for offsite? I see a lot of people doing camps and offsite work and things like that. And they don't have the proper waivers and insurances for offsite. They're only covered for what's happening inside the business. What are some of the things, what are some of the biggest, like, you know, glaring holes that you see with most fitness businesses in terms of their legal, like, you know, instability? I think the trademark has to be one of the biggest issues, which it's trademarks are unique because it's technically not an essential service. It's not yeah. like 
you have to get a trademark registered. But like, here's a story that's happening right now. And that happened last night. I got a call from a potential client. Hey, I want to register my mark. I've been using it for 25 years. I've built a whole, you know, I've graduated 250, 250 people out of my school. I, I wanted, you know, I'd like to register a trademark. Do a search. Two weeks ago, someone in Wisconsin registered the mark. Now, now that person, no matter how long they've been using it, that person now, now we're going to have to challenge the registration based on prior use, whatever. But sure. all I mean to say is that this person spent 25 years building their brand and now they have lost control. And if this other person wants to say, you have to change your name, they're going to have to change their name, which like, does it suck to change your name? Yeah. It's like all of your marketing and how everyone recognizes you. So like sure. trademarks one is that, it just, it seems like every week something comes up. Waivers of liability are super, super serious because this is, this is the one thing that will protect your assets and your business the most, more than anything else. Um, I've seen so many poorly drafted waivers of liability. It drives me crazy when people are like, oh, like I borrowed my friends or like, I know this other person gave it or I copied it. And, and I've been hired to challenge waivers of liability. And it's really easy to do that when they're poorly drafted. So um, waivers, trademarks, um, I see a lot of issues around contractors and employees, whether or not it's the correct classification. And also like, right. because audit is the, an audit is like the symptom of miss of the misclassification. Like nobody wants a government audit. In, under, <laughs> and, That's so, for sure. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you have all of that paperwork drafted up. And I would say like, those are probably the, the big three that I see for fitness professionals, a waiver, a trademark. And if, if you've got a team, how are they classified with membership agreements? Now it's like membership agreements are a bit more of a luxury because it's more like, Hey, the way we're changing our services are done. We're do now doing things this way. And if we want to put in a vaccination policy, this is what it would say. Okay. But usually the, the, the extent of your liability on a membership agreement is less, but it actually, it's a better investment because it's communicating your expectations with your clients in a clearer way, Right. Um, which in the, in the long run pays off if not only just for refunds or cancellations, but just for clarity. Right. That makes sense. And, and, and what specifically are some changes that you've seen because of COVID, both on the liability side, on the waiver side, on the client side, and internally on the employee side? Yeah, the, the, big, the first big issue was that the waiver of liability needs to address it. So if a waiver of liability doesn't address COVID and, and something were to happen, you would be at risk. Um, I think the, the big issues from a, from a membership, a fitness membership standpoint is that a lot of people who did not update their service agreements, the agreements are drafted only for in-person services. So if you're not able to provide those in-person services and the agreement doesn't say anything about virtual, that person would at law automatically be entitled to a full refund, which we, we saw a lot of clients going through that problem. Um, mm -hmm. on, the, on the team side- Wait, can I, I, can I stop you there for a second? Yeah. Just, to, just to clarify, because you know, yeah. that kind of might get missed in the loop. So you're saying that if you had somebody on a membership agreement and then with COVID, like we switched to virtual, right? Yeah. And that basically means that because if that wasn't written into the contract verbiage, that at that point they could say, no, that's not what I paid for. I'm out of here. And they get a full refund. It's, okay. Yeah. It's called, sure. a, it's called a chargeback. Okay. And this, yep. this was happening like a lot of actually one year ago, April, May, June of last year. Sure. 
where people were, everyone was really scared. No one had revenue coming in. So everyone's like, I'm just like cutting everything. I'm canceling everything. And be, the basic consumer protection law states that a company or a service provider is not able to keep your money if they're unable to provide the service. Mm -hmm. So if under the agreement, the service is only described as coming into the gym, one-on-one -on -one personal training, right? And now you're Makes switching sense. to be like, yeah. hey, we're going online. You, you'd have to resend out the agreement for people sure. to agree to that. Oh, um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then the, the things that we've seen that have coming up with the employee contract issues around COVID are, the newest one is like whether or not an employer can mandate um, vaccination. Sure, me uh, and you spoke about this to, uh, yeah. ourselves. Yeah, this is one of our, our issues that we were having here. Yeah, which, and it, it's actually, it's been interesting because after the conversation, I did a lot more research and we have a lot of clarity on mm -hmm. that answer. Um, the other issues are if, you know, um, studios were unable to continue employing their team members, even if just for periods. So then people would try to file for unemployment insurance, mm -hmm. but they, even if they had signed a contractor agreement or alleged that they were a contractor, they would then try to prove that they were in fact treated like an employee, which just opens up the Pandora's box of all of the audit issues and the IRS and the government and whatnot, like uh, someone reporting, hey, I actually was an employee and as such, I'm entitled to employee. Um, so what was the answer there? Because that's, that's a unique thing, because I do know a lot of gyms that hire contractors and, you know, they hover them at the, at the mark where it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're working 25 hours a week as a contractor for a couple of years. Technically, you're supposed to be an employee at that point. So what is the answer there and how does that shake out legally? The answer is you need to, the, your position will be much stronger if you have a clearly drafted document, which explains the nature of the contractor relationship. Okay. So most of the problems that come to me, will someone be like, hey, I have someone who was a contractor and now um, they are alleging that they were an employee. And I'll, the first thing I'll always say is like, send me a copy of the written agreements. And they'll be like, oh, well, we don't really have something, but there's an employee handbook or this, that, or the other. And it's like, right. what people don't understand about resolving legal issues is that 80, you know, 80, 20 rule, like 80% of it is resolved in the first 20%. Yes. And if you can have a great legal agreement that shows what the nature of the relationships, what the intentions of the parties were and how the relationship in fact played out in accordance with that agreement, mm -hmm. the other person doesn't, they don't have a chance. Right. So in terms of like laying out their hours, their schedule, their pay and what the agreement, like what the scope of the work is and what the relationship was, Hey, this is fully intended to be, a, a per diem contract employee that is not for hire, that we are not offering health benefits, PTO, whatever those stipulations might be. They sign that agreement that goes in the file. And then if there's an issue down the road, you'd be able to. Now we, we've thankfully, again, we've, we've always kind of followed along where everybody has some type of, of, you know, employment agreement here, at least in our business, is that something every employee for every position, every time there's a, level change, meaning you go from a regular employee to management or so forth, or a lateral move from different departments, should there be a change in those types of agreements? 
there doesn't there doesn't necessarily need to be and all that the real the point of all of this is helping people communicate in their relationships mm -hmm. that's really like there's a lot of benefits to a legal document but one of them is one of them is having a something that's binding and that someone is you know either making legal promises that they're going to do or not do something mm -hmm. but if someone was with you and they were you know they were working the desk and now they're a manager do they need a brand new agreement not necessarily. I think your exposure to risk is quite minimal. It certainly doesn't hurt to have it. The mm -hmm. most important thing is that you're on the same page with everyone. But specifically, what I'm talking about is the contract or employee distinction. Sure, sure. Or like sure. that needs to be that needs to be clarified. Okay. All right. And that, so specifically, in, in in the states, a 1099 contract or somebody that's yeah, and working. making sure that it's properly drafted because the what you call what you call the agreement if you call it a contract agreement or employment agreement that doesn't really carry that carries like less than five percent of the weight mm -hmm. it's all about the way that the services are performed so you want an agreement that clearly shows the relationship is that of a contractor by virtue of how the services are performed okay all right so even even in that those are some distinctions that you know i, I personally was not aware of and don't understand so i'm sure you know again a lot of the people out there is great for a lot of, you know, new and younger gym owners and people that are thinking about starting a business. Um, I've always been a big proponent of, like you said, proactive, check off as many boxes as you can before you start, get your systems, your operation plans, your hiring plans, you know, even before you even hire an employee, have some type of plan in place for what that development's going to look like. And this is a perfect way, another box to check off, you know, get your legal side of things, you know, get on a call with Corey and his team and Hey, I'm opening up a gym in six months. What are some things I need to have in place to make sure I'm protected and check it off, check it off. Right. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> it's like someone's like we've been open for six months yeah right right it's usually the other way around right like yeah. i've been open for six months and i just had the first person get hurt and now what right yeah. Yeah, well, I, so. I like i like the proactive play i mean i mean look i mean i, I i'm coming from the standpoint of being a, a pretty seasoned business owner right so i've had a lots of hiccups and issues over 25 years that i've seen and because of the consulting business i've seen lots of worse hiccups, you know, knock on wood than what we've had here. And, um, and it almost always, like you said, it almost always comes down to just not having a simple documented conversation as to what the scope of either work or employment or, or the relationship with either your clients or your employees was. And now you're left, you know, well, it's he said, she said, and nobody's got any documenting proof. And, you know, especially when it comes to employees, at least here in the States, the tie almost always goes to the runner, right? So the employee yeah. gets the benefit of the doubt and the same thing, you know, with the client, you know, the tie goes to the runner and the client gets the benefit of the doubt. Client gets hurt in your business, says they get hurt in your business and you didn't have the protection to prove otherwise, right? Yeah. Time to pay, right? <laughs> Time to pay up. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your, you know, you know, you said you were working the suit and tie thing, and it's obvious by speaking to you that, you know, uh, you know, that that probably wasn't going to fly, that you were pretty miserable with that. And, um, and, and you, you know, there was a, a morality issue that you just felt like I, I'm representing something that doesn't vibe with me. Um, you know, the fitness industry, you know, you, you got into yoga and wrote the little yoga law book. Can you talk a little bit about that law book? And is that, is that book in circulation that people can still get a copy of? 
Yeah, the, you can go on Amazon to grab a copy of, of the book. And I, I just wrote the book because I realized that everyone was making the same mistakes. And, and all of like, look, the, the fitness part of me is like, I always, my dream was always to play sports as much like to be a professional athlete. I, I didn't even come close. I definitely didn't have, you know, the right focus, but I've always loved sports. I've always loved working out. Um, I've always loved running. I've always loved tennis. I played squash in university. So it, it's just like, it's part of my DNA. Mm -hmm. And it was, it really was being able to branch out into yoga and fitness it really was sort of like the last straw where I was like, okay, well, if laws, I was ready to quit law after my experiences working in these firms, just because mm -hmm. I was like, really, is this what it's like? And, and right. the other thing that I saw is like, custom, clients weren't happy. Clients weren't excited to be hanging out with their lawyer and they, they weren't inspired by any, like it was just all of it was bad. Right. So I sort of, I was just like, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to try to, you know, start my own business and have my own amazing clients who all are involved with sports and like let's just see where it goes right there and and then so I, I wrote the book because in working with those amazing clients from the start i just saw everyone was making the same mistakes and it just dawned on me like oh people don't know anything about the law the same way you know your clients are or their wife are doing the books right you know doing the financial books without financial training someone who's opening a gym ha hasn't had exposure to the law and understand what they need. So why not just, you know, try to communicate it in a way that would relate with people. I, I mean, uh, I love it. And I mean, just, you know, hearing you speak a few times, I'm like, man, this, this doesn't sound like most of the lawyers I know who are like, kind of like, you know, stiffs in a sense for lack of a lack of a better term, you know, it's very like, this is the law, you know, and this kind of is like, Hey, this is a great, you know, fresh perspective on it and, and able to kind of like, you know, and, and again, coming from a real place of passion, it seems like, and that's kind of that, I think that's both the problem and the answer in the fitness industry, right? With the fitness industry, almost all of us get into it because of passion, right? We love sports. We love training ourselves. We, we like the idea of helping other people, Right. So we start a little gym kind of organically. Right. Or in my case, I started training people in their backyards. Originally, I was like, you know, I would just show up with a duffel bag and bring some equipment out and we'd have some fun. And I was training kids in parks and stuff like that. And then, you know, decided to open up a little gym and I opened up like a little garage gym. Right. And like a, this very, you know, story, like just about, you know, half the industry. Right. You know, I started off in a little storage closet and then kind of built a step by step out of complete passion. And, and, you know, my only, I, I, what I knew was my commodity training X's and O's, the business side, marketing, sales, you know, leadership, people development and legalities, finances, all that stuff I had to figure out. Right. So, um, and some people, I think like in a lot of small businesses, they try to take too much on themselves. Right. And they try to do too much. And, and that's where, again, delegating, you know, certain aspects of your business, nobody's going to spend no gym owner strength coach is going to spend the time that you've spent mastering the legalities of, you know, gym law, right. And reading books on legalities, then, then, you know, they're, they're too busy taking a training certification, another, you know, loading up on another's training certification as opposed to learn those things. So getting that off your plate, in my opinion, is, is just an easy layup.
Yeah, and I, and I think even just like not even speaking about law, I probably the, the turning point in my business where, you know, thankfully in the past two years, we've just seen tremendous growth. I was chilling. So I live in this Brazilian beach town called Caraiva. And I went one night um, at sunset with my dog just to the river, just to like chill and hang out. And I just had this epiphany where it was like, the words that came to my mind were pay them to do it. Like just pay them to do it. And at this point it was like, you know, low overhead. I was, you know, really tight about money and not wanting to spend and really concerned and worried. And I was just like, just release man. and like, pay them to do it. Find someone who's great at email marketing, find someone who's great at operations, find someone who can draft the agreement so that I can do other things. And like, that was, that's the turning point. Just that mindset of, I can't do all of this alone. Like you said, you know, you were, you started off training in a, in a, in a backyard and then a small gym, but like no one teaches you about all those other things. And the more intelligent people you can surround yourself with who are specialized in a particular area, the more you'll succeed and the easier your business will be. Sure. One of my business coaches, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, wrote a great book, you know, not too long ago, Who Not How, you know, and it's kind of like been my motto for the last couple of years. And uh, so tell me a little bit about that. How does how does the business operation uh, of uh, of your business work? You know, you're you're obviously, you know, the story brand, the face, the 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 head, you know, the the idea guy what other members of the team and kind of how does the process work? If I want to do business with you, I kind of go through you. We get on a chat. What else, what else happens? Yeah, it's, 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 it's highly automated. And there's basically, there are three members of the team that have to do with like execution of legal services. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones who are going to be drafting the agreement, speaking with clients, going through edits, making sure that we get a five-star review. We've got 245 star reviews which I'm like super proud about just because we've sustained that over, you know, however many years that we've done this. So there's like a legal execution team who actually does the service. I'll do most of the, the onboarding and like proposals and then webinars or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking gigs and explaining about it and communicating to people the need and the benefit of working with us. Mm -hmm. We do have someone who works full-time on marketing Um, So they'll just do marketing and partnerships, including email marketing and monthly sales. And then we have a member who basically does back end operations, who makes sure the whole system flows and flies and and that everything's working on a back end. And like, yeah, it's 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 really just us. And for I'm in four years now and the first two years. Yeah, it was I I most I did probably 95 percent of everything for two years. And, and now is everybody like you? Are they remote? Are they all over the world or most of them yeah. in the States? Yeah. So now, um, yeah, they're, I mean, look, in, in the past year, we've had people, a lot of the people on the team travel. So one of the guys was just in Costa Rica and now he's back in San Diego. Another team member was in Munich. Now she's in Arizona, but she was in Vancouver. We've got someone in Montreal. We've got someone in Cleveland, Ohio. We have someone who just travels and we had someone who was in Tel Aviv, Israel. Okay. So, and, and some, we've got someone in Venezuela. So it's, um, yeah, there's like the, the craziest thing is like, I haven't met 
I've worked with people more than two years who I've not met. In Physically person. met them, right. Physically, yeah. yeah, who I've spoken <laughs> to at least once a week for, two, for more than two years, and I've never actually met them in person, which is wild. That is wild. That is wild. So tell me a little bit about that dynamic, Corey, because, I mean, you know, as I said, as I'm, I'm booking my next trip to Florida right now, and I'm going to go tell Dan in like 10 minutes that I'm, that I'm leaving the business, and I'm going to, I'm going to Florida. So <laughs> I, would, I would invite him with you if you want it better. But um, it's look, the, a lot of our team is young. Yep. So they're quote unquote millennials. Yep. And so this is not extremely abnormal for them. Sure. It's like it for me, I've had both. So I sort of know like it's, but it's also just normal for me. And you also realize when there's not an alternative, there's nothing different that you can do. So we were supposed to have like, yeah, when, when we, we were supposed to have our first, like te- we were going to go to Detroit and like rent a house. One of the team members was from Detroit and always talking about Detroit. So it was like, cool, let's all go to Detroit. I rented a house on Airbnb. We were going to spend, you know, like a whole weekend. I was going to fly everyone out. And then that was in April, 2020. So that got canceled because, you know, Air Canada stopped flying from Sao Paulo to Toronto and whatever, all of the, Mm -hmm. we all know what was happening, but even still, like we're still very, very good friends and we know each other very, very well. We've just, never hung on person and like it'll happen and it'll be pretty trippy when it does yeah, yeah but yeah. in the meantime this is normal like this is what off and the hardest thing that i explained to the younger members of the team is like when you're having a zoom call you have to imagine like you're coming and sitting in my office sure like i'm behind a desk in a chair you're sitting in the less comfortable chair right you know that curb enthusiasm episode <laughs> yes it's tough because like people will want to like lie in bed or you know whatever yeah, it yeah, is no. and, and i'm just like the way that you have to think about it is that we're sitting in an office together even though we're not and right takes a little bit of imagination and discipline, but I think we're doing a great job with it. So what does structure look like then? Is it like you guys have a weekly team meetings and things like that? Or is it kind of like everybody, like how do you, how do you drive the business forward in terms of, you know, you're, you're, you're sourcing leads. You obviously have a marketing department, like you said. So somebody's sourcing leads, you're doing onboarding, those leads get funneled to you. And then in terms of delegating work and stuff like that, weekly calls, advisory team, you know, yeah, we have, um, I have, I have one-on-one calls with everyone on the team at least once a week mm-hmm. with some people twice a week. And then we have team calls every other week. Okay. So, um, and, and I don't look, it's, it's, it's a different type of business. It's the culture sure. that I want to have. I love freedom. Sure. So like, look, one, just a crazy thing I'll share is how hardworking Brazilians are. Yeah. So I, I see in a lot of coffee shops here or wherever I'm, I'm out, I see a lot of young, really, really intelligent young Brazilians who will just, they work obscene hours. And like one of my friends has a one-on-one with her CEO or her founder, 6 p.m. every Friday for an hour long conversation to go over the week. And I'm just like, I hear that. And it's like, absolutely not. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, hell <laughs> no. no. I want to be at the beach. I want to be playing that's tennis. That's a hell no. On a Friday? You got to be yeah, kidding no, me. It's, yeah. But anyways, that's, that's what I observe. So the, yeah, the yeah, vibes yeah. that we have is like, we use Slack, obviously. We yep. use Slack and we use WhatsApp. Um, and it's like, we're all, like, I'm happy to speak to anyone. It's, I have an open door sure. policy. And if, I, if I'm online and around, we'll have a call. But it comes from the top down. I'm not an extremely rigid guy. Yep. I like more freedom and I like more space. 
And I think that permeates through the culture of, of how we all work together. That's fantastic, man. I, it's funny because I'm, I, I mean, at least I'm, I'm making the assumption that I'm a decent amount older than you. I'm going to be 45 this summer. And like, I definitely come from a, a, a generation where, you know, technology didn't exist. I'm probably the last generation that grew up with no cell phone. And, you know, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 20 or something like that. And, 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 you know, I bought my first computer when I left for college. Right. So, so, and now obviously technology is like, you know, a big part of my life and we do the same thing. We have Slack, we have Trillo, we have zoom with Google meets and calendars. And it's like, you know, 90% of what I do can be done from anywhere other than physically training, you know, clients on the gym floor, which I, I rarely do anymore. Uh, and so I think it's, it's a real testament to, you know, the paradigm shift with technology and businesses, but I think more importantly, and you could tell me, you know, better cause you're fully immersed in the, in the online world that it's just the, the overall public perception of acceptance of doing business this way has changed greatly. Yeah. Now, now it's normal where, yeah. but what, so I will say is now it's normal and it's never once happened where someone's been like, oh, where, like someone always be like, oh, you're in Vancouver, you're in Toronto. I'll be like, no, I'm in Brazil, but I was born in Toronto and I lived in Vancouver and I started my business there. But it, it never happens that someone will have an adverse reaction to it. But yeah, so I think it's it's all about how you how you own it, right? Yeah, sure. And I think the, the way that I've owned it is like, exactly what I said to you, I wanna travel and I wanna be a lawyer and I wanna work with dream clients. And if I'm not able to achieve that, then I'm not going to do any of it. So mm -hmm. part of that is me traveling. And that's, I, th I think because I've, I've made that the culture of working with our team that everybody sure. accepts it. And like, nothing makes me happier than when my team is traveling. Right. And so and speaking of that, so like, how do you work that? Like, since you like to travel and the culture of your team is kind of I don't want to call it loose because you're definitely getting shit done. It's not like you're just like hanging out, having a good time. Everybody's got, has their work to do, but you don't, you, you don't seem like the type of boss that like, Hey, everybody, I want you logged in at yeah. 8 AM Eastern time and, yeah. and, you know, log out at 4 PM. But it's like, Hey, you know, I don't care what you do. You want to go surfing all morning. Great. Make sure these contracts get out and get done and stuff like that. So do you have like PTO? Is there like, things like that, or it's kind of like unlimited, do what you got to do, but just get your work done. It's it. You, they could work. They could work three days a week. They could work two days a week. They could work four days a week. They could work seven days a week. I think what the, the one thing that I'm extremely grateful for is that I have an awesome team who I trust hundred percent. If the work wasn't getting done, we wouldn't continue to work together. I think that's really clear. It's just like, do your job, just do your job, do your job, whatever you do outside of your job, I want you to be happy. I want you to be balanced. I want you to have fun, but you're, we're all, we're all adults. Like yes. it's not a, it's not a game anymore. It's no one's, we're not wasting anyone's time. It's like, do your job, live your life, create your balance, spend your time doing what you want to do. Right. And I appreciate the hard work that you're doing. And, right. And, and, and if awesome things get out of balance and we start to see a decline in productivity or workload or whatever, then that's when there's an issue, but we're kind of the same here. You know, it's different in the gym business, the gym business, obviously it's a client facing business 
and there, there are only so many hours with the brick and mortar gym space in which you can actually service people, which is kind of why, you know, a few years ago, we started the consulting thing because that can be done from anywhere. Um, and, and now with the virtual training, we're seeing more and more of that. That's a slow, steady stream that's just picking up and picking up and picking up. And I think, again, it might always be like for a brick and mortar facility like ours, um, it might always be just a nice ancillary add benefit to the training. And again, let's you know knock on wood that something like this doesn't happen again anytime soon. But I think we'll be all a lot, a lot more prepared to scale really fast into a much better virtual product. And, you know, where do you see the trend in the industry going, you know, being someone who's on top of the fitness industry from the legal perspective, where do you see the trends going and where do you see legal challenges? Like what are some of the future legal challenges that you see with things moving more virtual and so forth and with the changes in the industry? I think the, where do I see the industry going? It's now acceptable to work out at home which was not, you know, two years ago, that wasn't really a thing. It, it wasn't, nope. there wasn't an industry behind it. Um, another thing, another change that I've seen is like a power shift from the studio to the instructor, where mm -hmm. now every, every instructor has a soapbox in the form of Facebook or Instagram. And like, yes. anyone can start a studio. Anyone can start a studio at any time. Like I could start a fitness studio by having a, by having a Zoom by having Zoom. Right. That's all that's really required now more than before. So I think in terms of, of where things are going, I think we're going to, when things open back up, I think it's going to be really, really busy and people will be very, very excited to be back. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be more like the next phase is accepting that even though we have the ability to go in person, we also, there are still other options. It used to be like there wasn't an option before. Sure. Now there's more options of how things are getting done. And then legally, I don't think, I, legally it's, it's always evolving. And like every two months, a new question, like the vaccination question comes up. And mm -hmm. then after this, it'll be, I, if I, I, don't, I don't know what the next question is going to be. But, um, but what I can see is that the biggest issue at the moment is people's documents aren't adapted for the new way that they're offering their services. Sure. And what I, and, and that's like, that's an issue. That's an issue that you're either using old documents or you're using documents that don't fit your business. And those are, that's the backbone of all of your legal relationships. So that if something happens, you're not prepared, you and your documents are not prepared for that potential outcome, which can be very troubling and concerning. So yeah, um, yeah I, I'd say that's, awesome. that's, that's what I see happening. Awesome. I mean, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think like, like we're very busy and we're seeing like a boom here where like people are coming back to the gym in droves, but the majority of them, like you said, are wanting an alternative. So we've scaled all of our personal training digitally. Even if you're in person, you have a digital program, right? And you, you're coming into the facility and logging into an iPad or your phone, you're meeting with a real coach but your but your program is is online in a sense and that way if there's ever a hiccup which there have been lots like hey my 
my brother got COVID, so I'm not sure if I should come in. Yeah. I'm going to be out for two weeks. No problem. We'll scale. We'll we'll rewrite some of the programming for the next two weeks. What equipment do you have at home? This, this, and this. Oh, nothing. Okay, great. We'll give you. I'll give you a set of dumbbells, some bands, and a, and, a, and a sandbag to take home with you, right? And and so forth. And I can scale that workout digitally. And like you're saying, now I don't have to have the awkward conversation. Well, we'll pause your membership for a month. You come back, and this, that, and the other. So the hybrid model of training is definitely something that I think is going to grow. And if you know, just a, a word of the wise for all the you know gym owners and entrepreneurs out there, if you don't think that some of these huge brands like Nike and all these and Under Armour onto this and know that there's a billion dollar home market, you know, booming, you know, you'd be crazy. So there, you know, I, I, I would, you know, bet your bottom dollar that there's going to be, you know, a Nike app. Apple has Apple workouts now on Apple plus, right. You can pretty much dial up anything you ever could want on there. You know, Under Armour is coming out with their own proprietary, you know, they had, they own my fitness pal. So there's only, you know, my fitness pal was for tracking nutrients, right? Now it's going to be, you know, workouts, nutrients, you know, accountability, all those things. So there's going to be a lot of newer competition. And again, you want to protect yourself legally, um, so that if you do have to make those transfers, you don't have to go backwards to go forwards by talking to clients like, oh, well, that's not what I paid for. Well, it kind of is what you pay for. That's, you know, we agreed on that in the beginning of our relationship. So amazing stuff, man. And really eye-opening. And obviously I'm, I'm taking notes and I got a checklist of things. And I know me and you have some unfinished business personally that we have to wrap up on our end, but, you know, we've been slow to react to that. Um, you know, tell people, uh, how they can get in contact with you, where they can get learn a little bit more about uh, Conscious Council, and and you know what's the next step for for listeners. Yeah, you you can write me an email um, at Corey at ConsciousCouncil.ca. I'm sure we'll include the links in the in the notes. We've just yep. launched a new website, Fitness.law, so you can check that out, which has all the information about the different services and the products that we offer. And you can find us on Instagram. I mean, it's the internet, right? So. Yes. Uh, all, all of it's out there and I'm happy to chat with anyone about anything. And, um, and I think sort of just the, the, and the, the yoga law book is on, you can find it on Amazon, but I think just listening to your final comments to me, that reinforces the need for community more than anything else, right? Sure. That like Nike or Under Armour, whoever is coming up with all of these things. I always think about my own behavior and why I make the decisions that I do. Like, why do I get a salad from this place? Why do I get an acai bowl from here? Why do I work out with this trainer at this gym? And I think it's so important for all of us to look at the own, our own decisions that we make as a consumer, and then just understand that most, most of our clients are making a similar decision on a, yes. a weekly basis. Like, should I use the Under Armour app for free or do I love going to my local gym because I like seeing all my friends there or because Correct. I've been there for a while or whatever it is. And I think like, that's the key. We could talk about legal agreements and systems and all this stuff forever. But at the end of the day, it's about how people feel about working with you and how they feel about being part of your community. And, and let's never lose that. Great, great point to end on, Corey, who you've done an amazing job creating a community around a topic and a subject that I, I feel at least didn't exist. Like, I don't, I don't know anybody who's like, you know, let's all get together and, and make, make law fun, right? And it's like, an, and, and actually make it enjoyable to learn the process in a simple way that makes sense. So great speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. All right. If, again, I can't recommend it enough. 
Corey Sterling, Conscious Counsel. Take a look. We'll put all the information in the show notes and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks everybody for listening.